Hey everybody, welcome to episode 10 of Mendoza Line. My name is Cam, and I am joined by my friend Nick. What's up, man? Not too much, Cam. How are you this evening? You know, honestly, I, uh, I'm i pretty tired. <laughs> I had, uh, had had a busy day, but I'm here and I'm happy to discuss the goings-on in baseball with you. Yes, here we are again. Yeah, we're uh, we're starting to develop freakish consistency. <laughs> Death taxes in Mendoza line, Nick. That's how it goes. Maybe that's our new slogan. I don't know if I really want to be, um, you know, equated with death and taxes. I feel like our listenership would just plummet. <laughs> that's true. But yes, it's good to be here again. Excited to talk some baseball. All right. Um, do we have any follow-up this week? I feel like there was something regarding the steroid stuff and Jose Bautista being good again. I feel like your dad was trying to put us in his place, or in, in our place. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I don't think we have much follow-up this week, which is okay. We had a lot uh, last week, but um, if I can remember it as we go on, I'll add um, it, but... I'm pulling it up on our on my phone, so tell him that um that joke you know. <laughs> well, Jose, hopefully his face is okay after that punch that he took. Yeah, no one got punched this week. It's very disappointing. Yeah, well, I guess order has been restored to the baseball yes. world. No big fights or anything. So this is what um our favorite Gary said. He said, follow up on the PED discussion. Uh, compare Jose Bautista's power stats from age 26 to 29 to age 30 uh, to 35, his current age. He didn't develop power until the latter, um, and it's not even close. Uh, he changed his batting approach. Either that or he can dodge a drug test better than a punch. <laughs> well, he didn't dodge that punch very well. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bautista... He did. He was a he was a really late bloomer. He was on the Pirates early in his career and didn't do much at all. And I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but obviously he is no longer on the Pirates anymore. Got on the the Blue Jays and he kind of broke up, broke out out of nowhere. But he's been doing this for five or six years now, so I I tend to think it's more he discovered something late in his career whether that be changing his batting stance or, or whatnot. I think he, he was always a guy that was known to have a lot of power, but struck out a lot. But he's, I mean, he's put, it, put together a string here of remarkable consistency. And they've been doing this testing for enough years now to where if he was using, I would think they would have caught him by now. But yeah, I'm, also, I'm also an optimist, so... <laughs> Your dad went on to say that uh, he's somewhat similar to Josh Donaldson in that changing to picking up his front leg and dropping it bettered their timing and gave them crazy power. And I think, I mean, it's so it's a noticeable change in how he approaches hitting mm-hmm. from when he wasn't, you know, prolific to, to now when he is. Whereas if you look at someone like Barry Bonds and you look at what they looked like when they were young and what they look like when they're, they, they look like they're on steroids. And yeah, Bonza's head got bigger. That doesn't normally happen. <laughs> he used to be skinny, and then he was just this giant monster of a person. Yeah. And Don- so, I mean, that's a good comparison with Donaldson, because 
Donaldson was not, and this goes to show, you know, prospect rankings aren't everything, but I don't ever remember reading about Donaldson being a top prospect. He kind of, he broke in um, when he was a little bit older with the A's in his mid-20s and had a couple really, really good years with them, got traded, and has kept, just kind of kept it going to where he won the MVP last year. So sometimes guys are just late bloomers and something later in their career clicks, they change something. So, yeah, Donaldson's a great example of someone who kind of put together later as well. The Blue Jays seem to have a talent for acquiring those guys because Edwin Encarnacion is another guy who he was no, he came up with the Reds and was known to have some good power, but he could not play defense worth anything. They called him E5 because he just <laughs> couldn't field... So he he did some good things for us in the late 2000 decade back when we were not very good. We had we traded him to the Blue Jays. Um I believe in the Scott Rowland deal when we got him. Which turned I out pretty good for both teams. But yeah, he's just he's been a pretty consistent 30 home run guy um the last 5 or 6 years, but he could also be a DH in the American League. Whereas you can't, you know, we couldn't hide him on the field in the National League. The more pure, the pure league where you have to. You know, we're they're going to save that argument for a different episode, sir. <laughs> Mr. American League right here. Well, I'm just saying the American League is a more specialized form of baseball. That's all, that's all I'll say. So, so what I'm gathering here is, yeah, the Blue Jays seem to have this talent for acquiring guys who have um or have some talent and uh making that talent come out in their their late 20s early 30s which is kind of interesting because i mean their team is getting older when you think about it bautista all these guys have been around approaching their mid-30s now so we we will see well, how long. i'm only 29 so maybe they should take a flyer on me this, I'll move, that's I'll true move to toronto what i mean Got that raw power that they are looking for. Maybe you should try go yeah. to a tryout for them. You know, I've never hit a home run, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. I have some girth and some strength. I'm sure I could get a hold of one. Yeah, I remember talking about that last episode. Girth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not 100% sure what that means, but I have an idea. Girth is, is like size and weight. Is so it like a combination? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, OPS is the combination of on-base and slugging percentage. Girth is like, your overall girth is just a combination of your size and your density. I like so, what you did there. Mm-hmm. A very uh, topical comparison. All right, so I think that's it for follow-up. Um, so thanks to, you know, the the uh, absentee host of the beginning of every podcast, Mr. Gary Coates. Thanks, Dad. All right. News time. We need to have cool little, like, the wire. Yeah. Oh, you know what we should get? Are the uh, the organ tracks from the baseball park? Dun, 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 yes. Dun. And do have those. <gasps> I need to make that. I will make it happen. It How may not, not happen yet. I don't know. But I, I yeah, we will, we will become a noisy podcast with you know maybe home run sounds and organ sounds that's that's definitely gonna happen although i don't know if that music's royalty free or not hmm. 
find out. We that's will. a that's a discussion for off the air. Yeah, we'll find out. All right. Uh what uh we got we got some who's hot and who's not here it looks like. Yes. So I <clears throat> uh I noticed that I'm not on the who's hot list, Nick. I take offense <laughs> to that. More in the sense of yeah, in, in baseball terms. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. I wanted to keep in, uh, in <laughs> correct context for our podcast yeah. and not. There not is go someone down with my. <laughs> there is someone with my name though, so that that helps. Yeah, that, that's true, and plays for your favorite team as well. But we'll get there. Um, I did want to make note. Yeah, a few guys that yeah are doing really well, whether it be just in this season in general, or especially in the last few weeks or so, but. The first guy, Jackie Bradley Jr., he was the guy we referenced last week as being on the Red Sox, who are, seem to be one of the top offenses in Major League Baseball this year. And he is a, definitely a big reason for that. Guy that came up as a, he's a great center fielder, great arm, but he his bat has really come around as well. Um, he currently has a 27-game hit streak, which I didn't even become aware of until today. So... He, uh, that's a, yeah, pretty significant hit streak going there. So, you know, we, uh, had talked about the, the hit streak a few episodes ago, um, and whether that is going to be broken or not. So obviously he still has a long way to go. Um, but I mean, 27 is not, there's nothing to just dismiss right away. So be interested to see. Yeah, how long that goes. So he got another hit today, so this is an active current streak. But yeah, he's he's been on fire. He's not year. even halfway there yet. That's the sad part. I mean he's close to halfway, but he's not yeah. quite. Well, you gotta get twenty seven games to get fifty six, so he's moving in the right direction, but yes, the odds of him making it to fifty six are still extremely low. But definitely something to note. So yeah, Definitely. Jackie Bradley Jr. is uh, continuing to hit the, the cover off the ball. Speaking of that, um, guy that plays for your Tigers, Cameron Mabin, just got called up this past week. This is a guy that seems like he has been around the majors forever, but he's only 29. He's a, He is our age. Guy that uh, had a ton of potential, was involved in the, the big Miguel Cabrera trade, am I correct? You are correct. Yes. So, which so he was on the Tigers and then went. They, to, he he was a Tigers prospect. Yeah. Went to the Marlins and I think he was on the Padres last year, but he's made his way back to the Tigers. Well, he was activated. Uh, I think he was recovering from an injury, but in this past week, he came out came out of the gates strong, as they say. So. As of this recording, he was hitting 647. <laughs> so he, not like on base, 64% of the time, but that, that many hits. So 647, he had four steals and a home run uh, in that past week. And I, I did see the one of the at-bats I saw, he got um, one of the few times he actually did get out. He got called up. Or he he got a couple of strike calls on him that were very questionable, like really high pitches that probably wouldn't have been strikes. So he probably should have walked in the first place, but I think he popped out or something, and he was so – he's just in the zone right now because I think he knew that there were balls. He was so angry. He just like – he chucked his bat so hard into the ground, like right at, right at the home plate, 
And he didn't even look at the umpire, but the umpire was just like, he's just waiting for him to say something. You could tell he was going to throw him out of the game. <laughs> but I'll give him credit. He he never did. He just he threw his bat down and walked straight out to center field. But yeah, he's locked in right now. Um, I don't I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think that'll continue. But well, uh, that could be a good addition for the Tigers if he can play play some outfield and be a good hitter because they're they were scuffling a little bit. Um, well, yeah, get into the week so. When you consider which tiger is on your who's not list, it's kind of helpful that Cameron Maidman's doing well. Yeah, exactly. So another guy that I firsthand um, witnessed his uh, scorching hot week, Rajay Davis, plays outfield for the Cleveland Indians. The uh, Reds played the played a four-game series against the Indians last week. Uh, got swept all, all four games and pretty convincing fashion, but um, including those games and this weekend, uh, he had just in just in one week, he had 12 runs, two home runs, nine RBIs, and two stolen bases uh, with the 515 on base percentage. So, you know, Rajay Davis is not a power hitter. He was, he was more known <laughs> no. as a, a speed guy. You have 50 steals or so, you know, when he was in his prime. But he's he's been hurt, has kind of been off the map a little bit, but he he just absolutely killed the Reds last week. And yeah, continued into this weekend. But anytime you can score twelve runs in a week, have a couple home runs and nine RBIs, that's uh You're doing all right for yourself. That's a good week. You're seeing the ball well. Yeah, and he just every single at bat seemed like with the Reds, just Yeah. Yeah. Took us deep. Get get on base. He got on base so many times. Scored scored a lot of runs. Obviously, when they they scored over thirteen two games in a row on us. So, so yeah, he's he had a good week. And then uh, the last guy I want to talk about was uh, Jose Bautista. So he in the last week had four home runs and twelve RBIs uh, since he got punched in the face. So uh, not that. You know, I don't necessarily think that was uh, as stoked to the fire because I mean he's been he's been hitting pretty good this year. But four home runs, twelve RBIs. I don't think he's been rattled too much by that punch to the face. Seems to be uh, <laughs> helped him focus, maybe motoring right on. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Blue Jays. So, all right. So that's the the who's hot section. But so. for every you know, group of players that are doing well. There's always the group of players that, uh, well, they're not they're not doing so hot. So let's pick on them for a while. That sounds like fun. See, yeah, I remember we we talked last week about how difficult baseball is, uh, just to put the ball in play. How how much or how little time you have to make those decisions. So, you know, those guys that I listed, they seem to be defying common sense and how easy they're making the game look right now but these guys are more along the lines of yeah this it's still a difficult game to play first guy it's another guy i've seen firsthand how much he struggled the past a uh, few days but eugenio suarez for the reds third baseman okay why don't we just call him eugenio because that's clearly how it's spelled eugenio i got a that, and there's no way you look at that and go, oh, yeah, it's definitely Eugenio. 
I I like how it comes off the tongue, so I'm gonna keep saying a hey, Eugenio. Just gonna call him Eugene. But he in in the last three games against the Mariners, he he struck out ten times in three games. <laughs> so I think nine out of his last ten at bats ended in a strikeout. The poor guy, he's just he's having a rough go at it right now. A few, a few I mean. A few of those today, they're just there are a couple of nasty pitches that a couple of nasty curveballs that didn't look like strikes and it just snapped back in there and he got called out on strikes a few times. But he's just not seeing the ball really well right now, has ten Ks in three games. I think that broke a record for the amount of strikeouts for a Reds player in a three game series. I think I read that somewhere today. So yeah, not good. And we uh we play we face Clayton Kershaw tomorrow night in L.A. So I have a strong feeling that he may get a day off tomorrow, or at least I hope so, because <laughs> he's young. I mean, he's he's only 23 or 24. A lot of guys his age are still playing the minors, double A. And he's had a pretty good year. He's He's got nine home runs already. So he's he's shown a lot of power, but he's the guy's a, he's, he's struggling a little bit. He's... He doesn't have the greatest plate discipline. You know, I wish he took a little bit more walks. So I think a day or two mental break might be good for him. So we'll see. We'll see what Brian Price, the Reds manager, does tomorrow. Uh, the second guy, another Tiger that you referenced, uh, big signing for the Tigers this year, Justin Upton. He has been, this has kind of been more of a, entire year so far struggle but as of a couple of days ago on May 20th he was OPSing uh, on base plus slugging which is a pretty good metric um i believe to um be able to quantify how how well players doing not only in getting on base but also exhibiting power but he is OPSing uh, 0.599. Which is atrocious. Which is, yeah, anything under 0. Uh, 0.700 is really bad. So you, if you think about, you know, pretty good slugging percentage is 0. 0.4. Um, pretty good on-base percentage is over 3. So that would make sense. Um, if you're under, if you add those together, that'd be 0. 0.7. So anything under that um, is not so good, especially with a guy that you're paying uh, over a hundred million dollars to who, you know, is is known to 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 be a pretty good hitter. You know, we're starting to get into over a quarter of the season, and you're OPSing not only under point seven but under point six. Um, but he's yet to hit a home run this month either. So, so he's played in forty one games this season, and he has struck out at least once in thirty eight of them, which is amazing. So his his strikeout percentage, so the amount of times he strikes out per at bat, is thirty-seven point three percent. So, f- just over a, a course of a season, extremely high would be thirty percent. So he is far beyond, you know, what even you would consider a be able to be a be able to be a major leaguer would be. Uh, if he was striking out that much, he wouldn't be in the majors. Um. So yeah, he. The major league record for strikeouts in a season is 223, and he's on pace for 253. 
So he's over 30 or 30 strikeouts pace uh, to obliterate the record of strikeouts, which is yeah, not good. Which is like a 13 or 14 percent overage. Okay, so the record's 223. I'm gonna go with Mark Reynolds. Is he the one that holds the record? I think you're right on that. Um, I I didn't see who hold that record, but I think I remember him. He was a guy when he was playing full time. He was boomer bust either. Yeah, he had a season I think where he I think when he broke the record, he hit 35 or 40 home runs, which is the only reason he was playing that much. But so yeah, it's interesting why because it's not like hey, this is a guy that's been in the majors for eight nine years. He he started he he came up when he was really young. He's only in his he's in his prime still. But I don't know whether it's the big contract playing in a completely new. He's always been in the National League, playing in a completely new league, all new pitchers. But he's he is not seeing the ball very well, striking out a ton, and not making good good contact when he does see it. So I hope that turns around for for him and for the Tigers, because you know I've I've had Justin Upton on my fancy team and. I think he's a good player. I enjoy following him, and I want the Tigers to do well. So it's difficult to see him struggle that mightily this far into the season. So, yeah, well, I think their season's a bust, anyways. Well, I, I you were so optimistic about him before the season started. That's all changed. Well, you know, reality has a has an interesting way of <laughs> crushing your optimism. <laughs> It's true. That's why it's so fun in spring training all the time because everyone it feels like has a chance. And then about a month into the into the season, it it's all been squashed. So the uh, the last guy I want to talk about too, just because he he's been a guy known to be a pretty good hitter and a catcher, uh, Russell Martin, uh, with the Blue Jays in 118 at bats this year total. He has five runs, zero home runs, eight RBI, and a two forty four on base percentage. So he's getting on base less than a quarter of the time. Which again, that would not be anybody doing that. That's your you need to be at least in the, the high two eighties, close to three for uh just on base percentage, not even average. So that's a guy who's pretty been a pretty solid hitter his whole career. I don't, I don't really know. Haven't heard of any injury issues with him. And he's on. I mean, the Blue Jays. That was the best offense in the league last year, and they're they're really struggling this year. So he's he's part of that as well. Seems like Bautista and, and Donaldson are the only two really doing much in that lineup. So, so yeah, that's a just a quick roundup of some guys that are doing really well, off to good starts you know, really hot the last week or two, and then some guys that not so much, so. Well, thank you for running us through that. Should we uh, take a quick look at the standings, just real briefly? Yeah, or... I, th- I think it'd be good. We're It's been a few weeks. We're, I think we're officially about a quarter of the way through the season now. So pretty good sample size to see uh, kind of, yeah, who's, who's at the top, what the playoff picture looks like, et cetera, so. So yeah, All right. Well, ahead. I will uh I will run us through um the American League since you hate it. 
That's not true. <laughs> Just trying to push your buttons. Uh, in the American League East, Baltimore and Boston are leading the way in that division. They are, well, technically, Baltimore's in first place because they have one less loss than Boston, but Boston has one more win because they've played two extra games. So they're uh, Baltimore's 26 and 16, and Boston's 27 and 17. And the rest of that division is garbage. Um, yeah, none of the other teams are even above 500. They're all under 500. They're all really close to 500, but yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say garbage, but mediocre like we had uh, discussed in the offseason. I think what I'm most surprised by here is that the Orioles have kind of sustained a hot start to where they, they still have the second best record in all of baseball. You know, the uh, the second least amount of losses to the Cubs, only 16. And that's a, that's a team with not much of a pitching staff. So they, I don't know how they're doing it. <clears throat> um, but yeah, they, they seem to be sustaining um, so far. So, yeah, I mean the run differential is only twenty four runs, so they're not. Right. I mean, whereas the Red Sox is is sixty six, so they're not, uh, you know, blowing people out of the water. And they've given up. They've only given up one hundred and sixty seven runs. Yeah, the Red the Red Sox have given up one hundred ninety. Um, so I mean, they they may not have the best pitching rotation, but clearly something's working. They do. They do have a good bullpen. Zach Britton is one of the best closers. Um, I own him in my league, so I have kind of been able to see. And he's, they did, I think they're just in a lot of close games, and they, yeah, they just get it done. They get those wins, and sometimes those teams, teams will have years like that where they'll just be really successful in close one or two run games, and that makes a big difference. And and rather, yeah, you're pushing for the playoffs or more of a mediocre team. Because I, I still don't believe that they're top shelf elite team, but They've got a few elite players. Manny Machado, you know, Adam Jones is still a really good player. Chris Davis. Cal Ripken. Yeah, the ghost of Cal Ripken. I think he's still playing at age like 50. But yeah, when you got a got a rotation of Ubaldo Jimenez and Chris Tillman, Kevin Gaussman, is, they're probably the only young guy that, you know, you get really excited about. So I don't, I don't see them making a run at the World Series, but... I don't think they're going to be going away anytime soon either. And yeah, the Red Sox are still scoring runs, uh, which is a big reason why they are. They're giving up runs too. But I, I'm feeling pretty strong that they're going to they're going to end up winning that division when it's all said and done. So we shall see. All right, now to the American League Central, which. Uh... It's actually pretty interesting to me because the Chicago White Sox started out on an absolute tear, but have quickly fallen back down to earth. They're three and three and seven in their last ten. I mean, so they they are eight games above five hundred, but they have uh, they have that that three and seven record in the last ten has really helped close the gap. Where you've got th- uh, second, third, and fourth place teams are all within five games of first in that division, and so as someone like uh, me, who's a Tigers fan, who thinks that you know they just got off to a really rough start. Like, oh, we've played not very well. We're twenty-one and twenty-two, and we still are, you know, one or two good series against uh, division teams from being in first place. So 
that I think that's got to be disappointing for White Sox fans to start out so well, only to have it tighten up with as much baseball left as there is. But it's also got to be really encouraging to Tigers, Royals, and Indians fans that man, we're we're not that far out of it. We can still make a run at this. So we shall see. Whereas the Minnesota Twins are fourteen and a half out, and they're just season their season's over. Right. And I I think this is going to be one of the more exciting races. Because I think you have four, four good, you know, above average to good teams here. Like each one of those teams we've talked about has some really strong elements to their team. Um, but none that I would say, you know, I don't see anybody running away and hiding with this division. But, but I, I could also see, um, you know, some whoever wins the division and then I could see a wild card team coming out of here too, just cause you got some good teams in there. I mean, I saw firsthand the Indians and we, we missed their best pitcher, Corey Kluber, but they've got some good arms. Um, even, you know, dealing with the injury with Carrasco, he, he could be back in a month or two, but they, I mean, they've got a lineup that can score some runs. So I think they'll be there. I think the Royals are, they're struggling a little bit, but I think they're still going to be good. And I think the Tigers are, they just need to consistently hit the ball, and I think they'll be fine. You know, they've they've struggled as much as they have, and they're still only a game under 500, and they're only four and a half out. So, and that's with the White Sox, like you said, getting off to that really hot start. But, yeah, they're, they're coming back down to earth because they, they, too, they only really have two – two, arguably three quality pitchers in that lineup outside yeah. of, you know, a couple guys doesn't scare you too bad. Chris Sale's a stud, though. He's amazing. Jose Quintana is really underrated. And Rodon, I think, if he ever gets it, could be really good as well. But outside of that, I don't think I could tell you who the other two starters are. Okay, Miguel Gonzalez, I think, and he's been a journeyman. And I think they brought Mark Burley back is what I think. <laughs> Hawk Harrelson loves him some Mark Burley. Well, I don't love me some Hawk Harrelson. So let's move on to the uh, AL West, in which we see, uh, hey, look, Seattle's in first place. Yeah, just swept the Reds. So. Then the Rangers are a game and a half back uh, from them, and then everyone else is well below 500 in that division. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is sad because the Astros we thought were going to be good, Nick, and they are seventeen and twenty-eight. My World Series pick has the fourth worst record in the majors. <laughs> yep. So, you know what that means? That people should totally take our uh, our expert. So all, all those analysis things, seriously yes, that you caused me, called me a genius. That uh, just goes to show you. But yeah, I'm. I think this is really shaping up to be a two-team race with the Mariners and Rangers. Uh, the Mariners, solid team. They've got a they they did a really good job of working the count against our pitchers. They didn't really swing at a, a lot of bad pitches. They worked the pitch counts up pretty quickly. Uh, Felix is a stud. Taiwan Walker's really good. Iwakuma's solid. Um, you know, I, I'm not convinced that you know the rest of their staff slash their bullpen is that good to you know push them over some of these other teams or or that their lineup's going to be able to score enough runs but i i think they'll hang around 
you know, they're, they're nine over, five, not 500, so one four in a row. And I think the Rangers, yeah, I, I still think that they're, at the end of the day, they're going to win. But we'll, uh, we'll see. But, yeah, those two teams, I think, are sticking out. All right, moving on to the National League. Yes, please. So, yeah, we uh looking at the East. We uh got the Nationals on first. Um see, this is yeah, we got the what uh, the Twins in the the American League. We got the Braves in the National League East as far as their their season has been over for about 2 weeks now. <laughs> Just so depressing. <laughs> Currently 14 and a half out, which is not even the most the biggest deficit in that would be the Reds. They're 15 and a half out of the Central. Amazing. But the Mets, game and a half back. Phillies somehow are only two back, but they have a negative 30 run differential. So I think that'll even out here a little bit. I see them more as a, a 500 team down the road, even a little below. But Marlins are a game over. I think they're the definition of average team. So yeah, like we've said, Nationals and Mets, I think the Nationals have... They've even out a little bit. They're only six and four in their last ten. Um, still kind of beating up on bad teams. You know, took th- two out of three from the Marlins. Although they did win. Um, they did take two or three from the Mets. But yeah, they. I mean, they got swept. You know, when they did play a good team, uh, in the Cubs at the beginning of the month, they lost all four. Um, they did sweep the Cardinals at St. Louis and they took two or three from the Royals, but you know, besides those two teams and the Mets, I still would argue that they haven't played anyone yet. So that's kind of going to be it. I mean, with their, with their schedule, I mean, they're going to play a lot of, a lot of bad teams in the Mets. So if they keep winning those, that's all they got to do. Um, and then you get to the playoffs and you got Scherzer and Strasburg leading off your rotation anything could happen dusty seems to have that that magic so we'll we'll see if he can take him past the the first round of the playoffs and then the unless you, if you have anything to add about the east well just about max scherzer is that he has shown in previous years that he will pitch on short rest in the playoffs if that's what is required to win so He's a workhorse, that's for sure. Yeah. He's just one of those guys, I feel like, you know, maybe not the next few years, but there's just going to be one of those years, kind of like with Verlander, where he, he just kind of falls off, where you go from ace to just kind of hanging on there. You know, Verlander's bounced back. He's kind of reinvented himself, but he's just... He's, he can do no wrong. He's thrown so many innings the past few years. He's he's a stud, and if he's going, he's tough to hit. For sure. Let's move on to the best team in all the land. <laughs> uh, the Central. So, yeah, the Cubs still, although they've evened out a little bit from their scorching hot start, but still um, by far the best record in baseball at 29-12. Six and a half games clear of the second-place team Pirates. And their run differential is triple digits. Yes, 111. So I, I think I read something. I can't remember what the rec- major league record is, but obviously the Cubs are on pace to obliterate that. 
But I think over the course of, you know, the long summer, that will begin to normalize a little bit. You know, they're they're only four and six in their past ten, and uh, they didn't necessarily play the best competition. They they lost two out of three to the Brewers uh, earlier this week, who are one of the worst teams. So that that'll happen in baseball. <clears throat> they're not gonna. I just don't foresee them keeping up that pace um, as far as you know winning 120 some games. That's just so incredibly hard to do. But yeah, they're again they're gonna be there at the end for sure. I think yeah, something that I've been kind of enjoying this year is the Cardinals have been kind of um, average per se. You know they're 23 and 11. Just two games over. Twenty three and twenty one, you mean? Sorry, twenty three and twenty one. Have a they have a pretty good run differential, so I think they they run into a little bad luck. But it's kind of been nice not having them win. Just out of you know, not really knowing how they're win because they don't really ever have the best roster. But it's kind of nice to have them be a little bit more average than not. So. And the Brewers and Reds are just two terrible teams bringing up the rear. Reds have lost seven in a row, fifteen and twenty-nine, which is still only the third re- third worst record in baseball. So I don't, it's going to be tough to catch the Braves and the Brewer or Braves and the Twins. They're those those three teams especially are a elite level of bad this year. So the, the Reds. Had a five-game homestand and lost all five in pretty convincing fashion. I'm sorry, buddy. It's okay. A lot of it is the pitching. So our hitting has actually been okay this year, but pitching has just been atrocious. And we kind of knew that going in. That's why I talked about the bullpen. It's gotten a little bit better. We shipped out like half of it at the end of the game last night. They're kind of just like, you know, if you're going to keep walking people, you're not going to be here. So brought up three three young guys and see what they're going to do. But, you know, on the other sins, you know, if, you, if we get that fixed, you know, next year, which I know it's not just something that happens, but, you know, we, we probably arguably could have won 10 games with a somewhat decent bullpen. So if you – I think we've been leading – in 20, our 29 losses, we've had leads in 16 of those. So if you even take half of those, you know, we're at eight wins. We're 23 and 23 um, in a rebuilding year. So, I mean, that's respectable. So I guess in this sense, we'll get a, a better draft pick next year and more of a urgency to fix the bullpen. But, you know, it, it hasn't been that rough this year just because I've – I, I do have a larger picture in mind than this year, so. But it has been hard to watch some really poor pitchers not be able to throw strikes. But moving on, before I talk about the Reds too much, the yeah. uh, National League West, the uh, the Giants have begun to separate a little bit. Um, they have a three and a half game lead on the Rockies, who are in second. Surprisingly, the Dodgers have just been average you know have the the highest payroll in the league but you're sitting at 21 and 23 that uh you can't just you can't buy you can't buy wins all the time 
So they, you know, at least they still only have one good pitcher outside of, you know, and they're starting rotation, and that's Kershaw. But yeah, Diamondbacks are still struggling as well. But there's a lot of mediocrity behind the Giants. So. Yeah, it's their division to lose. It looks like. So yeah, if I were to guess, just looking at the the standings right now, you know, I think the the Red Sox are looking good in the Central or the East, AL East. The Central is completely up for grabs. I think the Rangers in the West, Nationals and Mets in the East, Cubs, Pirates, Cardinals, and Giants. And then we'll see who emerges out of that, but. So yeah, definitely a few surprises um, tw- a quarter of the way into the year. But should be uh, interesting the rest of the way. Agreed. All right, enough recap. Let's dive into our main topic. And I don't even know what this means, so I'm going to have you <laughs> explain it. Yeah, so I did want to just touch on, because I think I've mentioned this a few times in the past, uh, this concept of um, service time just at a basic level but also the super two deadline um, and what that means I think it's I think it's important to talk about that because that deadline is coming up uh, fairly soon and I think that's going to have some implications on um, when certain players are called up to play in the majors and whatnot so uh, service time uh, it's kind of what it is just at a basic sense of you know every Every day that a player is in the major leagues or on a major league roster, he accrues a service a service day. And I uh, there'll be an article in the show notes. One of the writers for the Cincinnati Inquirer did a good job of writing a summary about this because it's kind of confusing in the sense of when you have a rebuilding team, you know, you odds are you have really good players in the minors, some of your top prospects. And a lot of times those guys don't get called up at the beginning of the year because of this reason, you know, and it's difficult to understand why, you know, it's obvious that they're better players than, you know, in the Reds case, pretty much any pitcher that we have. So it's kind of like, why, why aren't those guys up and pitching right now? But there are very good reasons for that. And a lot of that has to do with uh, being able to control the player and money. So the story kind of, you know, summarizes what that means, but in a in a major league season, there's a chance to accrue 183 service days. I think so. That's a you know over the six months, if uh, if a player's in the majors all six months, he accrues 183 service days. Now the for as as far as like control and uh, the years of control that we've talked about. So you know, stop me and as I'm explaining this. If I say something confusing, make sure to to ask. I want to try to explain this in as simple as possible. But we talked about in the, under the current collective bargaining agreement, so a team can con- control a player for six full years uh, when they're in the majors. So that's that goes back to that hundred and you know eighty three total days, but they they only count up to one hundred seventy two. So if a player surpasses that one hundred seventy two days in the majors, that counts as a full year. So you know you take for the Reds, for instance. You know if they um, they call when they drafted a Mike Leake, um, you know seven years ago, he was one of those 
uh, rare guys. You know, the draft is in June. He had just finished his college career. He didn't really pitch the rest of that year for us, but he, he made the team out of spring training that year. Um, so he we had him for six years, and then he was a free agent at the end of last year, so we lost him. Um, there's a caveat in that if a player is in the majors for less than 172 days, um, no matter how close you are to 172, that's less than a year, and you can control them for an extra year. So once you, um, it's like um, six years, it can be like, it doesn't matter that it's six full years or like up to six years. Like if it's, if you call a person or if you call someone up to where they accrue less than 172 days in a year, that's not a full year. So now if they're up the, you can keep them a full six years after that. So it's kind of confusing in the sense of once you hit that six full years, um, they become a free agent. But up to that point, you know, they're going into their last year before they're a free agent. If they have five years and like 171 days, they're still under team control for that entire next year. So that's a big reason why, you know, last year the, the Cubs didn't call Chris Bryant up until two weeks in because the whole 183 days, um, they wanted to keep him down for that, you know, 12, 14 days to keep him from accruing the full 172, which would give them a full year last year. So, so you know, we, we've crossed that threshold. That was like two weeks in um, as far as like team control. So if you... If a guy's not called up right out of spring training, odds are you're going to gain an extra year if you call him up that year anyways. So the Super 2 is a unique little caveat in the collective bargaining agreement where the uh, the top 22% of players um, that um, have the amount of service time gets an extra year arbitration. So the way that it works is within that six years, in the first three years of that six uh, a major league player kind of makes the the league minimum, which is like you know five hundred thousand dollars, which is you know it's a decent amount of money, but compared to what some of the guys are making, it's nothing. So that's why for smaller market teams, it's so important to have some guys like that who are playing for you know cheap. So after that, you know, in the fourth, fifth, and sixth year, you you go to arbitration, which is in the winter time and. This arbiter basically looks at the stats. You know, the player and the team can negotiate a contract, but if they can't come to an agreement of a salary to play for that year, then the arbiter kind of kind of rules that. The player, you know, he can't go play for anyone else. He has to play for that team. But if you can't come to the agreement, the, the arbiter makes that um, distinction, and then you play for that salary. So that doesn't happen super often because most teams can kind of find a compromise with the player. But anyone in that top 20, 22% gets a fourth year of salary arbitration. So you can imagine that begins to add up. You know, the more you do arbitration, the higher your salary goes. So the uh, um, there's it's weird. It's really complicated how they project the cutoff with that Super 2 because you, you, it kind of depends on who's called up. But to be safe, most teams wait until, you know, the first couple weeks of June uh, to call up some of their best prospects, which, you know, we're sitting here at May 22nd. That's coming up in a couple weeks. So all that to say, you know, in a few weeks, I think you're going to start seeing some of the bigger 
prospects who are, you know, kind of deemed ready for the majors, your, your Tyler Glass Nows for the Pirates, um, some potential other players who, you know, really good players could help their teams now, but they're not getting called up now because, because basically for money, you know, the Reds have a few of those guys too, like Robert Stevenson, Cody Reed, uh, Jose Peraza, etc. So, yeah, so I think in the next couple of weeks, uh, through June, you'll, you'll start to see some, some of those top prospects begin, begin to be promoted to the majors for that, for the money reason. So, you know, if the Reds, it's hard to help Reds fans explain that, you know, if they call up those guys now, you know, you got four guys who make, you know, go through arbitration an extra year that could potentially be, you know, 12 million per player. That's an extra 50 million as opposed to just waiting two or three weeks. Um, you know, you control the player for the same amount of time, but you only have to go through arbitration with them three times instead of four. So it's really fascinating, interesting stuff, that, especially for a rebuilding team that I'm following, like the Reds, um, and kind of being able to gauge when they're going to call their top prospects up um, and just the business aspects of it. And, you know, for other prospects that you're looking forward to seeing, it's kind of interesting. and. Um, you know, for you and fantasy, you know, that's also important too, to know when some of those young guys are calling up, coming up. So does that make sense? Yeah, I think for the most part, I mean, obviously with anything that's that complicated, um, there's always, you know, nuance or, or whatever in it. But I think for the, for the most part, yeah, they have a certain amount of days that they get before a year cruise. And if I can, bring a player up for one game less than that, then I get a free year essentially. So, right. Which is important. And, you know, in a year where if you're, if you know, you're not going to be good, it makes no sense to, to push the envelope and just on the player development side of it, you want to, it gives you the, a little bit more conservative timetable and making sure that that player is ready by letting them face more minor league competition. So, so yeah, I think we will start seeing a, a more influx of young talent in the next few weeks, which is exciting. You know, Trey Turner, he's just in the little I've gotten to know him. I'm really excited to see him. He plays for the shortstop for the Nationals, but he was interesting because he got called up at the end of last year, and he actually accrued like 40 service days or something like that. So the Nationals have kept him down um, all this time because they're – with that whole service uh, time thing we just talked about, if they keep him down till June, they get a whole extra year out of him. So I think a lot of people have pretty much nailed down that he, you know, he'll probably come up like May 30th or 31st because that's the, that's that last day where he'll, he'll accrue like 170, 171 days um, and they'll have him for a whole extra year. But because that's one of those situations where he's, he like everyone will tell you like he's ready he's ready for the major leagues he's way better than their current short shortstop Danny Espinoza and the only reason that he's not up right now is because of um, service time so so I don't I mean I don't know if that's good or bad because I think you want your your best players playing you know but if you're in the Nationals and you can still be in first place and um kind of let your your best prospect. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cooking term. Simmer. S- simmer. Stew. Stew. Uh, percolate a little bit more. 
then why not? So, so yeah, yeah I think he's just marinating. Himself yeah, right that's now. the word I'm looking for. Marinate. Yes. So he'll be he'll be ready to ready to go when he gets called up. So yeah, I think as we move forward this year, you see those prospects get called up, maybe even um, in dealing with prospects. Hopefully, that service time. In the Super 2, knowing that has kind of helped understand why certain teams make the decisions they do and being a little bit more conservative with with call-ups. And you'll see that more with the smaller market teams just because, you know, by waiting a few more weeks, they could potentially save themselves millions of dollars um, and the back end, which is important. So, yeah, this is a uh, I, – I love this stuff. I don't know why, but it's so interesting to me. Well, thank you for explaining it, uh, and hopefully, you know, people will now understand. Well, so okay, so back when uh, the Tigers brought Fulmer up, like two weeks ago, did they they waited to bring him up because of the hundred and seventy two day rule, right? Well, he. <clears throat> I think that was I think that was more injury related cuz he I mean that 172 that I mean that basically does that's 2 weeks into April. So once you pass that first like 2 weeks of the season anyone you bring up after that you're going to yeah, have that, that's true. the extra control. So a lot of teams now are kind of waiting for that super 2 to pass which the Tigers I never have got the sense of I mean they'll pay for whoever they want. But you know he he's the guy that probably he, you know, some people will say he's not ready yet, and I think we've seen that because he's struggled in his his first three starts or so. He had over a six ERA. Now, I think yesterday he struck out 11 and did really well. So that might be a guy, if he works into it and he stays up, then he'll probably fall under the Super 2 category, which for a team like the Tigers is not quite as big of a deal as it would be for someone like the Reds or maybe the Tampa Bay Rays, um, if that makes sense. But... So, yeah, I mean, if the Tigers keep him up, they'll have him for all of this year and then for six more years after that, if that makes sense. It does. It does, it does. So, so yeah, that's that's one of the – I mean, that's so it's so different from any other sport, just that the cheap control that teams have. Because, I mean, every single player, no matter how good they are, you can pay them – especially if you don't call them up right at the beginning of the year, you can have them for almost four years and pay them basically the league minimum. So that was, you know, that was a big deal when Trout, so Trout came up and it was amazing like right away. He was making like the league minimum. So I they, uh, there's some, his agent was a little upset about that, obviously, because you got a guy that's won the MVP and playing for the league minimum. That just doesn't happen but the Angels actually, I think last year, gave him a pretty big extension. So he, he's making more now, but, you know, every other team, that baseball is just one of those that you you got to be good for a while, and once you do, that's why when most players hit free agency, they, they go to those bigger markets because that's where they can make the money. But, I mean, it does, it's helpful for those small market teams and helps them be good for you know, more than a couple of years because you don't have to worry about losing your, your best players for, for a long time. You know, I'd gladly work for $500,000 a year. I wouldn't complain. 
Yeah, <laughs> prospectively, I, I would agree. I would work for the major league minimum. We should become major league baseball scabs, Nick. We're just gonna go in and take the overplayed players' positions. I would do it for sure. You know, and they they shouldn't expect us to be that good because they're only paying us five hundred grand. So, I mean, that's just chump change. We'll we'll do whatever to help the team out. We'll put bunts down, whatever. Blow bubble gum, you know. We can rally rally hats. We can keep the clubhouse uh, loose, you know. Yeah, we would be we'd be character guys. We'd be good in the clubhouse. It's okay yes. that he's terrible on defense and can't hit. He's a glue guy. We're a glue guy. Yes, I want to sure be a glue guy. Team activities that we do with everyone. Mm-hmm. Trust falls at noon. <laughs> I like it. Let's let's see if we can go somewhere with that. All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss this week? Uh, the one I did want to make a note. Um, Coming up fairly soon, the MLB draft is on June 9th, which it's a little bit different in, I guess, uh, hype than the NFL or NBA because in those sports, those players pretty much go straight to um, the highest level right away. So you got, you know, um, the everyone taking the NFL draft is either going to be on the team or on the practice squad or whatever. There's no like minor leagues in those sports. You know, it's NBA. Called the, it's called the CFL. NBA has the D league, but I don't know if too many people that have played in the D league and been that good in the NBA. But the MLB draft is in a couple of weeks, and um, yeah, most of these players, unless they're at the top and they played college, you're not going to see for three to four years. So that's why there's not a ton of incentive to tank because. First of all, there's it's a lot more high risk in knowing who to pick, but odds are you're not going to see a return um, on that draft pick for three or four years. But we'll uh, we'll have a, a link to a mock draft in the show notes if you're a, if you enjoy a team and want to see maybe who um, they may be looking at taking in a few weeks. I have a special interest because the Reds are picking second, so I hope they do well. I think the Tigers pick ninth. So they should be able to get a pretty good player too. So yeah, you could take a look at that link and um, get to know maybe some guys who could be uh, in your system fairly soon. Speaking of drafts and and the baseball draft being different, uh, did you happen to see Dikembe Mutombo's tweet about the NBA draft? I did not, but I live in Philadelphia. And I was actually at the Phillies game that night, and it was like they won the World or not the World Series, but it was like the Sixers like won something of actual importance when they won because they won the lottery. But I was listening to some sports talk radio at the day after that, and they were just like, "This is embarrassing. Like we've been so bad for three years that we've like like we shouldn't be celebrating being this bad for the last three years." Because they've kind of been tanking in that time, but it's just funny how you know they were being optimistic in the midst of being the worst team in the the league for the last three years. But what did yeah. what did Mutombo say? Okay, so there's there's long been uh, NBA conspiracy theorists that think the whole league is rigged. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. And uh, so the Sixers, I don't believe they had. 
the best chance of winning. I think they had the second best chance of winning. I think the Lakers had the, the highest chance. Um, because based on your record, you get so many, you know, balls in the lottery. Balls or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so like the last or the the last the team with the worst record gets the most ping pong balls, and then the the last team under the lottery gets the least amount. Anyways, uh, so a few hours before the draft lottery happened, Dikembe Mutombo tweeted out, "Congratulations to the 76ers on winning the lottery. You know, first pick, 76ers, whatever, yada yada yada." Deletes the tweet once he realizes that the draft lottery hasn't happened. Fast forward a few hours, 76ers win the draft lottery. His explanation was, sorry, got ahead of myself, just really wish the 76ers luck. It's just like, so all the conspiracy theorists are like, see, the whole thing's right, because it's drawn on live television, theoretically. Theoretically. But apparently it was determined before then that the 76ers had won the draft lottery. Uh, So conspiracy theorists were... Uh, you know, quite uh, pleased to know that, hey, there might be some legs to this. I'm sure they'll, Just, yeah, the NBA will make sure LeBron wins this year. We shall see. Yeah, good show. Um, I feel like I talked a lot that show. I'm sorry. Well, it's okay because there was a lot of, like, you know, heavy, like, real baseball stuff. So it's better you talk about it than me because, you know, I'd be like, yeah, Super 2, that sounds like a fun video game. I don't know, I didn't even know that was a term in baseball, so better you discussing it and informing us than me trying to stumble my way through it, Nick. Hey, I'm, I'm glad I could help help teach that, because yeah, it's a, it's a very important big thing that baseball executives use, so I'm, I'm here to help. All right, well... Perhaps you can help again next week when we record episode 11. Looking forward to it. All right. If you guys want to get in touch, you know how to do so. Hit us up on Twitter. Nick's at Coatsie, C-O-A-T-S-I-E-E. And I'm at Cam Brennan. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.